from Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. In part one of our look at future systems, we visited the concepts and power of highly composable and scalable cloud native solutions and why they are enabling so much agility for organizations trying to adapt quickly to an ever-changing market. We talked extensively about the core tenets of these systems, faster access to innovation, elasticity and resiliency, scalability and extensibility. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and do so. Now, for part two of this discussion, we're going to be less focused on the theoretical benefits of cloud-native design thinking and more focused on the practical implementations of that thinking on real-world transactional systems like order management and warehouse management. And to do that, we've asked back Krishna Venkatasamy, a product platform leader here at Manhattan Associates who lives and breathes this stuff every day. If you did listen to the first part of our look into future systems, then undoubtedly you remember Krishna from that episode. Krishna, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Hello, Chris. Nice to be here. So last time you took us through the journey to get to cloud-native solutions that offer so much agility and performance for organizations today. But now I want to focus on the real-world impact of these future solutions and try to answer some of the questions that come up around these solutions. Let's start with supply chain technologies. Why are people so excited about the opportunity for cloud-native design in solutions like order management or warehouse management? Yeah, good question, Chris. So, so sup- supply chain technologies, uh, you know, th- they have very demanding needs that put on them. Uh, they need to be fast. They need to be highly scalable. Uh, you know, they need to be flexible or customizable to an operation's needs, right? So, so they're, they're very uh, important mission critical applications that have to have these characteristics in place, right? So they have to be, uh, like I said, fast, scalable, and hi- highly flexible. And in order to do that, you know, in order to make sure you have all those attributes, you need an architecture, a technology platform that supports those kind of attributes from the get-go, right? And that's why these cloud-native technologies based on microservices architecture from a development standpoint and a cloud-native deployment strategy is very, very important uh, to, to achieve those. And, and more importantly, those technologies need to scale up and down uh, not just scale as in users, right, but also usage, right? So there are times when the demand on these systems increase and uh, at other times they reduce significantly. Like during this pandemic season, the demand on various parts of app supply chain applications increased significantly without any advance notice, right? And applications need to be able to adopt to that. Technologies need to be adopt to, to be able to adopt to that. And cloud native technologies allow for that that unpredictable expansion, if you will, right? And that's why it's so exciting to to have these technologies in place now. Okay. And there's one more benefit that you talked about last time that we haven't even mentioned here and that arguably might be the most important, and that's access to new innovation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's important to scale existing functionality, but supply chains are not static, right? The, uh, the, the nature of supply chain changes dramatically, right? So uh, a good example, again, I'll point to the pandemic season. 
the many retailers were not prepared and they had them in their roadmap, but they were not prepared to do contactless curbside pickup capability, right? So they thought they could get there two or three years uh, from now, right at the beginning of this year before the pandemic uh, uh, really hit us hard. So they had it on, had that capability, enabling that capability on their roadmap, both from a business standpoint and a technology standpoint. But because of the pandemic, that they had to react and, and make that a reality, the ability to do contactless curbside pickup, right? So, so with, with the, they had to evolve their businesses, business processes, but more importantly, they needed the technology to make that happen. And having a cloud native architecture and being able to develop and deliver and have these businesses adopt that those capabilities like the contactless curbside pickup capability with minimal minimal disruption to their operations is very very important right so that ability to innovate at the technology level and enable the businesses is very important in the supply chain world yeah and i think contactless curbside pickup is an interesting choice there due to the nature of that requirement Certainly, there were retailers who were moving toward curbside pickup. Some were already there. Others were had it on the roadmap, as you say. But the idea of contactless curbside pickup probably never even occurred to anyone that that would be a requirement. And which brings us really back to agility, that idea that organizations can build a foundation on this technology that lets them focus less on their systems and more on their customers and the market and the heart of that's at the heart of the value of these systems. Now, let's go one level deeper and let's start with warehouse management because there's a lot going on inside a warehouse, robotics, conveyance, handheld picking devices, scanners, and, and much more. One of the questions that always seems to come up when it comes to an environment like the distribution center is latency. The time it takes for the WMS to talk to potentially thousands of varying IoT, robotic, or handheld devices and get a response so it can make decisions. How has Manhattan tackled the concern of a cloud-native WMS and latency when it comes to those kinds of interactions? In a couple of ways, uh, right, Chris. So first, architecturally, uh, we've Manhattan has built and delivered a, an architecture that allows for uh, scaling, right? So the, the Manhattan Active uh, Cloud, the, the platform, it has the key attributes to ensure that the application can scale and overcome the, um, uh, the throughput needs that, that it needs through scaling, right? Auto scaling that's built into the architecture. That's the first part. And the second part is uh, we've also engineered the Manhattan Active Warehouse Management solution uh, with an architecture that allows for the piece of software that needs to communicate with systems in the warehouse, in the four walls of the warehouse, like you said, the robotic systems, the automation systems, conveyor systems, uh, which all of which take require, um, you know, very low latency connectivity and communication. So we've engineered a solution such that, that, that a part of the, the Manhattan Active WM software in the cloud communicates with these devices over a, a connection that's dedicated for these kind of communications, right? And there's lots of different technologies uh, that that uh, that's in the market today that enables that communication. One such uh, technology is called Interconnect, right? So, and and this is just one example. There are many other technologies. So, Interconnect 
as technology is offered by many of the telecom providers in the market today and also by uh, large cloud service providers like Google, right? So they provide this capability, which provides for connecting their our customers' networks to uh, uh, the cloud service providers' data centers, like the GCP data centers, directly. So which eliminates that latency and concerns. Interestingly, uh, Forrester uh, did a research and they found out that two thirds of the large and medium-sized enterprises in North America will have this kind of connectivity in their network before the end of 2021. So the fact that we've architected at Manhattan a solution that allows for load latency and the maturing of the connectivity technologies uh, you know, now and over the next 12 months will ease that concern, right, of having to go to a cloud-native cloud solution like a warehouse management solution and being able to operate without any latency and disruption. So we believe and we know that these technologies are going to become cheaper and more uh, accessible, and those concerns will be alleviated or is already being alleviated in a way, right? It's really exciting, Krishna, that supply chain organizations finally have technology like this available to them. We talked in the last episode about the evolution of services-oriented architecture from a design concept to microservices and actually being able to execute on that design. And it sounds like some of the same, th same things are going on here, that the networks themselves are catching up to the demand and the need and the design ideas and bringing that to fruition. But what about order management? I suppose if we think about the devices a store associate is using to engage, sell, and fulfill today, then there are some peripheral devices in play, but nothing like the warehouse. What are the challenges on the OMS side that this technology eliminates or alleviates? Certainly. So on the warehousing side, you know, we're dealing with uh, the, the speed with which we execute uh, operations, the eliminating cost because distribution is a cost of doing business uh, and you don't want any time to be wasted in the process of distributing uh, products, right? That, 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 that's the core. But on the order management side, uh, you know, we're do, dealing with consumers, people who are going to make it by decision, right? So they, the, um, uh, the the emotional attachment that a person has to purchase or not uh, is directly linked to an order management system. So, you know, where we're dealing with consumers, you need speed and very accurate location information so the, and provide that information to the consumer so they can make that purchase decision, right? So the ability to to for a person to make the decision needs to be accurate. And that in order to enable that, again, you need technologies like uh, the ones that we're talking about here. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're essentially saying that the expectation to see pickup and delivery options, which the order management systems normally provide, while I'm browsing for an item, I want to see that way before I get to check out or even the cart view, that, that it's becoming as important as something like size or color. Absolutely, Chris. So when you and I shop, uh, you know, for pretty much everything, including, you know, this morning I was shopping for my uh, for a, uh, a bag of ground coffee. Right. I'm looking to see where I can get that coffee with, you know, with the right mix that I want. Right. Uh, which where it, where I can find it, which is the close closest place, whether it's a Starbucks or a Target. You know, uh, I look for availability. Right. And price. 
And so, so if I don't have all this information, it's very easy for me to say, okay, I might get what I want, but if I if the information is not accurate, I might abandon, right? So at the end of the day, I might abandon that purchase and, and not buy anything or go to some other uh, seller that, that provides that product. So the, that because of these abandonment rates and the conversion rates, right, that, that's so emotional to consumers, you, you know, you see large retailers like the Home Depots, the Amazons and the Walmarts spend significant time and investment into technology to ensure that they provide this information, the accurate information to, to the users, right? And, and that's very important. And that's what these technologies provide. Okay, so you mentioned there a number of large retailers who are investing in custom solutions to solve this problem, but we're not seeing that out of the general retail organizations out there, the most of them that are out there. Why not? Is it is it harder to do this than perhaps it seems in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So the, the first major issue is many of these uh, systems are monolithic in nature, right? So they're built on a single large database with one single application that uh, that perhaps does all the functions of you know managing inventory taking orders and and allocating orders and fulfilling orders so it's a very uh, highly intertwined you know monolithic application that that's hard to scale hard to be um, agile in a, in a way that we talked about right being able to change and adapt to changing business needs including the one that, that we're talking about, the ability to show real-time uh, inventory views and, and, and ensure that the consumers are attached to it. So that monolithic architecture is the first big issue. Second issue is uh, many of the systems that are out there and enterprises that have these or trying to solve for these problems have same um, kind of data spread across different different systems, right? So they'll have a, a auto management system with its own inventory database. They'll have a, uh, uh, a, a basically a, a retail system with its own uh, inventory database. So trying to keep the databases synchronized is challenging, right? And those synchronizations are are scheduled, timed, and so there's always a discrepancy in, in availability data, for instance, right? Whereas with a microservices architecture that that uh, that uh, you know like Manhattan has, for instance, there's one instance of the inventory component, if you will, one instances or one view of the inventory. So we have one database that has inventory, and any application, whether it is a retail side of the app business or the business to business side of an enterprise wants to get the visibility of the inventory. They reach out to an API, and that API provides the real-time view of the inventory. So that's that. To achieve that, you need an architecture like a cloud-native architecture with a microservices-based solution, not a monolithic solution. So there's a, a dedicated inventory component with its own database that can provide the data that each of these other systems needs, so they can publish data and in, in the way that's required for for the necessary use cases and ensure that that inventory component can scale, right? So that's an example of the issues that we see in the industry today. Okay, so if I put that in sort of a real world context for me, less technical would be a digital commerce site for an organization 
needs to start showing multiple delivery times for multiple services earlier in the buyer journey, may on the product page or a search page, but they got hundreds of shipment or pickup locations now because they're using the stores for fulfillment. They got thousands of SKUs. You might have millions of online inquiries and quests and searches going on at the same time. It sounds like what you're saying is there's just really no way a traditional OMS architecture could support that, especially one that's integrated to multiple systems trying to provide real-time promising. It's just going to create a bunch of bottlenecks and lockout issues that essentially cripples the experience. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So, so you have, there are really, you know, two major uh, functions here, right? So one is to get the data that, uh, that you're looking for, that, that visibility inventory information, so you can make accurate promising, right? So, so you need to be able to scale and provide that information. And like we've talked about earlier to, to achieve that kind of scalability, you need to break down that monolith, right? You can't afford to have those kind of deadlocks that 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 uh, cause the application to cripple. So that's why this architecture is so important. These kinds of capabilities can be achieved with a microservices architecture, uh, you know, to, to reach the kind of volume and scalability that we're talking about here. Okay, and I suppose that's why most organizations have to wait until the cart or even checkout and so that they reduce those numbers of lookups to provide you with that kind of promising, or maybe they even just fall back on that frustrating estimate of five to seven days for delivery. Now, you mentioned there about the ability for a cloud native architecture to help solve this. And I'm interested in how Manhattan Active Order Management has been designed to solve this, because I think in this particular case, it goes even beyond just creating microservices versions of these components or capabilities, because each of those has its own data component, as you mentioned. But now we're talking about a level of speed and a level of response time that maybe even goes beyond individual microservices level traditional relational data architectures, right? That's correct. Yeah. So one part is to be able to have a single source of truth, like I mentioned earlier, having this one component that provides that inventory information as opposed to 10 different monolithic systems having an inventory database table and having to synchronize them. So having that one microservice is the first step. Next is to, um, you know, even to access that one service and provide, you know, promising, for instance, across multiple application needs is challenging. So to solve for that kind of use case, uh, what we did at Manhattan is to create what we're calling as interactive inventory. It's basically an inventory uh, of the uh, of all the uh, of all the items or all the product, but then cached in memory, right? So as opposed to having to rely on the database uh, to do this processing, where we built a system where we can leverage the resources, the compute resources in the cloud, and used that data, the the inventory information to be cached and allowed for other systems to access it through an API, right? So this allow, this kind of technology and architecture has allowed us to achieve the um, scalability and the performance needs that the, that the, the applications that require them and in a timely fashion, right? So that's how we achieve, we've achieved that. And it's based on, like I said, a number of combination of things. One is microservices architecture, two is cloud, uh, not only the, cloud deployment, but also taking advantage of the compute resources in the cloud, right? And, uh, you know, it's a very creative way of how we used uh, these technologies to solve for a problem like this. Okay, so you mentioned there 
the new functionality called interactive inventory, which essentially caches instant access to real-time optimized fulfillment execution across every SKU, every location, every delivery strategy. But the beauty of it from an architecture standpoint was it was just another set of microservices, right? It gets all that elasticity, resiliency, extensibility that all the rest of the components have. And because it is a cloud-native solution, that innovation just keeps coming, right? And so this was just another release that was able to be part of a flexible, composable architecture. And it really didn't require going back to the drawing board or starting over or doing anything different from that standpoint because of the agility of the platform itself, right? That is correct, yeah. The, the, the agility of the platform, the core architecture, uh, we, with all that, we were able to build, you know, basically innovate on top, innovate on top of that and bring this capability, right? So it's uh, the, the ability to... To adapt uh, the technology to to leverage some of these uh, you know core technology capabilities and and innovate and deliver these kind of capabilities um, is very uh, is, I wouldn't say simple but easier in in a cloud native architecture like the one we have. Okay, so we've talked about highly transactional systems like WMS and OMS. They seem tailor made for a cloud native microservices architecture, but what about other supply chain systems like allocation? Couldn't they also benefit from this architecture? Absolutely, right. Uh, the so the like uh, you know the architecture I mentioned about um, you know microservices and about being able to scale and whatnot that they're important. But when you talk for a transactional system, but when you talk about a planning system, right, uh, whether it's allocation or uh, whether you're trying to do forecasting and allocate after, right? So those kind of processes require significant, um, significant, uh, you know, processing power. In addition to just being able to scale, you need to be able to run uh, math, you know, whether it's a regression theory or uh, being able to apply a fitting algorithm, right, uh, for a machine learning problem, you need a lot of resources, a lot of computing power and memory and disk storage to actually apply these techniques and bring them to life. To achieve that, having a, an architecture like what I just described, so we can build new algorithms and apply them in a microservices fashion is very important. Second, being able to leverage cloud resources, compute resources, and to use them as needed, right, is very, very um, applicable to what we're doing here, right, and and allows us to do it in an economical fashion that was not possible 5, 10, 15 years ago, right? And so, so this architecture and the technology has really enabled planning applications equally to transactional applications. Yeah, one of the things we talked about last time, I think, was the idea that we want to help organizations focus on their customers, not focus on their systems. And of course, even if it doesn't have the kind of transaction volume that some of the other systems have, you still get that benefit of set it and forget it. And of course, you know, that continuous access to innovation, I mean, never having to upgrade is a pretty big value prop for, for any application. All right, Krishna, that's all the time we have for today's episode, but I want to thank you for coming back and helping us understand how cloud-native microservices technology has gone far beyond the theoretical and how it's helping supply chain and retail organizations take the lead in their industries right now. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Chris. 